Welcome to Lift Off with Energizing Results, the podcast that can help you become a better partner in your family and a self-propelled leader with inner certainty in your business. Now, here's your host, Uwe Dockhorn. Welcome to Lift Off with Energizing Results. Let me start with an invitation for you before we dive in. This is a safe and neutral space here. The more open and honest you answer the questions that will come up to yourself, the more effective this will be for you. Sound good? Okay, here we go. Today I'm very excited to introduce you to Dr. Marianne Trent. How are you doing, Dr. Trent, and where are you hanging out right now? Oh, hi, 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 Uwe, nice to meet you. Um, I am in the UK, so I am in a little place called Coventry, probably most famous for um, the Blitz. Um, and yeah, it's not a particularly nice day. It started off quite sunny, but it's been rainy. With It's a weird old weather time at the moment, wind, wind rain, cold, not really spring-like, but I am healthy and I'm well, so lots to be thankful for. Well, it's, it's, it's wonderful having you here today. So Dr. Marion Trent is a clinical psychologist and author of the Grief Collective, Stories of Life, Loss and Learning to Heal. She specializes in trauma, grief and eating disorders and her mission in life is to help people welcome in self-compassion in place of self-criticism. I think you have a remarkable mission, Dr. Trent, in helping <laughs> patients to thrive and not just survive as you write on your website so mm -hmm. i'm very thankful that i can talk to you today well thank you for inviting me it's a real honor it's a pleasure having you so let's dive right in so who's your ideal patient and what's the biggest challenge they face okay so as you kind of mentioned there my my um my ideal client is kind of quite varied really um, but most people that come to me would be probably likely have had sort of adults, but have had traumatic or challenging childhoods. Um, and what that leads to is a presentation with what we think of as developmental trauma or complex trauma. Um, and when we've got complex trauma, that's very different than what we call a single event trauma. So with a single event trauma, you might imagine that you've got a road and then something happens that causes a big kind of explosion or gap in the road. But at which point you can look ahead and see, you know, the road ahead of you looks OK. And you can look back and you can see, well, the road behind me looks OK. So you've got more predictability, more more hope that things can be you know tied up to this single event and then you'll go forwards in life where it's the kind of people that I often work with um, their roads might be unmade they might have multiple potholes in because from very early experiences even even in utero there's been stress and distress and kind of the cortisol effects on the brain so that when big events or even when little events or when multiple series of traumas occur you get this very pitted effect, which means it's so much more difficult to see to the future. And what I do is we help process those traumas and because they'll be having perhaps intrusive thoughts, they'll be having nightmares, they'll be having you know, flashbacks sometimes depending on the severity of the trauma, but they'll also be having a lot of grief and a lot of sadness for what they've missed out on because none of this is their fault. You know, None of us got to choose who we got to be born which family we got to be born into and what genes we had um, already. So my work really is to really help contain, validate 
um, soothe, ease that distress, but also process and think about some of that grief and connecting to that sadness. It's a big job, isn't it? It, it is, definitely it is. And I appreciate that you just laid out, you know, all the facets of your work. And uh, so before, you know, clients come to you, so what are, you know, common mistakes they make when they're trying to solve the problem but for themselves? Okay, the biggest mistake, and it's one that I hear touted about by lots of people that are meaning really well and lots of people that are often very, very experienced. We're talking psychiatrists here that are really qualified that are saying, just find something to distract yourself. Mm. You know, maybe do some adult coloring or, you know, do a bit of reading or a bit of cleaning, but to the often to the the types of people that I work with, a bit of cleaning means eight hours of bleaching the walls. You know, that's mm. that's not a bit of cleaning, is it? That's you know, that's a real that's a real slight on their mental health and their well-being. So I think that's the biggest problem is that people are being told to distract themselves, whereas actually what we need to do and what we do in therapy is we learn to tolerate. So if we distract ourselves by looking away it's there, you know, and it, it mm. comes back and it can feel like it's biting you. But actually what we learn to do in therapy is to tolerate that distress and look at that distress and, you know, see how it looks from different angles and realise, actually, I can manage that. Okay. And then when you've got that, you kind of make peace with it and you don't need to run away in the, in the same way that it's been controlling you. You're then controlling it in a different way that makes clients just light up when they realize they're doing it it's a, a real privilege mm, I, I totally get it so you know you just described at the beginning that you know these are the so i call them you know nice to have solutions kind of things so instead of really going to the root cause of things and really resolving them uh, where they uh, where they yeah. exist right mm -hmm. so so before i ask dr trent what is in one valuable free action that our audience can easily implement. Let me quickly say something to our audience here. If you're enjoying the show so far, please rate and recommend us to someone you think could benefit from the show. Thank you in advance for spreading the word. So Dr. Trent, what is one valuable free action that our audience can implement that will help probably with that issue? Sure. So um, the Grief Collective, um, the stories of life, loss, learning to heal that you mentioned is my collection of real life reflections and stories written by people who have grieved. So it's not all about death. There's about there's many, many different things that we can grieve for as humans with these unique brains of ours. Um, and uh, your audience can access a free trial chapter of that and the free introduction of that as well by going to my website, so Good Thinking Psychology. And I believe it's free, forward slash free resources, but it's certainly in the menu that it will say um, free resources. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a really nice resource. Um, and people find it really validating about you know, so it was written, the whole book was written and put together with the idea that people just don't like talking to people about grief. They, you know, if they know that you're, you are grieving, they think, oh, I'll best leave them alone because I don't want to upset them. I don't want to distress them. But actually what we know is that when we're grieving, we need to talk about that. And we love it, especially if it's someone about loss of somebody. We love it when somebody says, tell me about that person you know, or they share a memory of that person. And whilst it might move us to tears, that's okay, because it's, 
it's a different kind of sadness to be nostalgically remembering and talking to somebody who is empathic and there for you than it is to feel like you're being ignored or shut down. So that was the mission with the Grief Collective, really, was to... Because I was really fortunate. My own father died in 2017, which is what spurred on this movement. Because I'm a psychologist and I'm surrounded by colleagues and friends who are good at talking to people about their feelings. So I was surrounded by people who already got grief. Um, But I knew people not in my line of work probably don't have that. You know, they have people that are trying to distract them up or thinking, come on, because the funeral was last week, you should be okay now. But it doesn't work like that. And I think only really when you've been through grief, which is a trauma in itself, that you get that and you know that it's actually okay to talk to people about grief. So that's the whole movement behind the Grief Collective. Um, And your audience can absolutely get hold of that free chapter, which, which people really enjoy. I love it. Thank you for for sharing this this, this great valuable uh, resource here, and uh, it's it's great. You know, it also reminds me. My mo- mother died in 2016, so I went through all this uh, grief, also. And it's really th- so important to have someone, and uh, I can well really di- direct people to this uh, grief collective, so and mm-hmm. get in touch and connect. Uh, so that's really valuable. So. Let me just also, and this is a great value, a valuable free resource that you just offered, but is there also a free action that our audience can, uh, audience can take? Um, something that you recommend uh, while they're grieving maybe or in, in, in situations where they feel, mm-hmm. you know, they, they need something to, that, that makes it more tangible for them. Yeah. So something I've really found helpful is is having something, especially if it's a grief of someone you love and that you miss, having something that almost helps bridge that gap between that person not being here anymore. Um, So in my own personal experience, I've got, um, you know, an ashes paperweight. So I've actually got some of my dad's ashes in that. And I've got some artwork, which I had commissioned, which only exists because he's not here. And it sort of helps me assimilate my worlds, really, because, you know, I'm still in the house now that I was in when my dad used to visit here. And so sometimes I still see him, you know, making a cup of tea or standing at the standing at the kitchen or sitting in the nice armchair. Um, but somehow having that paperweight and having that picture, and there's also a cushion made of his um, of his clothes, helps me assimilate those two worlds. Um, helps me mindfully hold him in mind so I think that anyone going through grief or loss rather than putting away those photos and putting away the things that might evoke a strong reaction within you that it's okay to have that you know that person mattered to you and it's okay to be moved by your own distress and you don't need to hide away your feelings Mm. no definitely not and uh I already got uh, the goosebumps and the shivers because you know it just reminded me also from my loss with my mother and uh, I always felt you know after that that she's still with me and mm-hmm. this strong bond uh, that we shared at the end and uh, because I took care of her and just to, it continued on and I can easily tap into it and it just got me uh, yeah. so it makes yeah. it is an emotional experience and yeah. just be open to it and allow it to to happen and uh, I think this is there's, these are only emotions right <laughs> so yeah yeah I was watching something yesterday though that said in nature death is just like a repurposing of atoms so nothing ever dies and I was trying to work out whether I found that a comfort or whether I didn't and I guess yeah let you be the first person to answer that question how do how do you how do you find that is that a comfort or does that feel 
weird for you? For me, it, it's it's a comfort because also at the moment, you know, I had to make the decision when my mother died uh, because uh, she just got unconscious and uh, so she she was tried to to revive uh, for almost one and a half hours mm. and then I had to let her go. Okay. And so and it was really that decision consciously. I made this uh, decision and it was really kind of like honoring, you know, that face and really the repurposing that you just said. I call this, you know, I'm, you know, my whole work is based on the letting go and letting in part. So it's a two part mm -hmm. mechanism that happens at the same time always. So I'm fully aware of that mechanism that we have, but we typically only use the letting go piece because that's what we're taught uh, and instead of the letting in piece. So I'm fully aware of that, that there is always something else waiting for us to tap into and become part of the solution. So I absolutely agree in that regard with, uh, uh, with what you just said, that everything has is, is going to be its energy at the end of the day. It's energy mm -hmm. that we purpose in something else. And uh, it's, it's, in, in regarding, because we're talking about grief, I think it's important to have that understanding that, you know, sometimes you really feel more connected to whom you lost because, you know, it, it, it shows you the emotions that were there and sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, you didn't tap into it. And so I think it, I'm, I'm completely open. It's also in my line of work that I help people to walk through these emotional states. So therefore, I'm on the same side here as you. Good. Okay. Good. <laughs> Excellent. So what's the one question I should have asked you that would be of great value to our audience here? Mm, um, that is a good question. So um, I think it's, Oh, I don't know. I feel like I've answered that question already. I was going to say, what, what made you get into grief? Um, but I feel like this is going to be the world's worst example of the answer to this question, Ove. Um No. I don't know. I, that's, that is an honest rubbish answer, isn't it? Um, I think I've answered my own question. So I've talked to... <laughs> is, is there something that is that is very important that people sometimes miss in... Uh, when they talk, uh, when you talk about your line of work, um, that is important. Yeah, you know, we can absolutely handle our thoughts and our feelings. So we don't necessarily, you know, when I said we can do this, we don't, we don't need to do this. We don't need to hold things in our line of sight for extended periods of time. So that's the same with grief, that's the same with trauma, that's the same with anything. We can just do it for small episodes. And it might be something as small as three breaths in and three breaths out to begin with. And then you can distract or let it go. Um, so I think, you know, I'm not, I'm definitely not saying that we need to, you know, think about things consciously and purposefully for those full eight hours when you're bleaching the walls or whatever it is that you're doing but you know little and often helps you build that distress tolerance and helps our body and our mind learn oh I can cope with that okay mm. I can do that so let's just be kind to ourselves and don't expect ourselves to um to yeah to do things for massive periods of time so mm. I agree this is it's not one big step there are little steps that accumulates over time that helps you to get 
feel better and feel better mm -hmm. about yourself, right? For sure. Absolutely. So that brings us always already to our last and final question is, uh, when was the last time you experienced goosebumps with your family and why? Okay, so I've got young children. So I've got a four, he would, or he would say almost five-year-old and a seven, almost eight-year-old, um, he would want me to say. Um, two little guys and I'm uh, married as well. And um, after school on Friday, um, he, the eldest one, brought home, he said, Mummy, I got the merit certificate. And I was like, what do you mean you got the merit certificate? You've already had the merit certificate this year. And he said, yeah, I got an extra one. And I was like, and in my head, I was thinking, how can that happen? Because they they carefully dose these out so that everybody in the class gets one. And we're only in May, as we record this now. Um, how can you have had an extra one? And then when I read it, I realized why. It's because he's just done so incredibly well since going back after the second lockdown. Um, but the thing that gave me goosebumps was just the amazing things they said about him, just how what a kind kind motivated soul he is and how he applies himself to everything and I just and his reading has gone off the scale since lockdown he's been reading loads of Enid Blyton books and other books as well so he's got a really broad vocabulary but it's the kindness it's people seeing kindness in my child um it just means the world because through my work with others I know if there was more kindness in the world there would be less problems for people like myself to deal with um, and to be, you know, for him to be sig singled out as being kind, you know, moves me to tears, let alone goosebumps. It's just magical. And to think that he has the ability to take that kindness forward that he's found in our family as his starting roots and to hopefully go out there into the world as he grows into a, into a young adult and beyond, um, you know, I feel really proud. Wow. Thank you. It is magical. And thank you for sharing uh, the, this wonderful goosebump moment. And also thank you for our conversation. It was a pleasure talking to you and I appreciate very much the knowledge and insights you shared with us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. It's a pleasure here. Thank you for listening. And as always, energizing results to you and your loved ones. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on Apple Podcast, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at uve.corn.com.